Hey everyone, my name is Francisco, this is Latin Entertainment, and welcome to Conversamos. Today's episode is on the Abrahamic religions and Latinidad. Join us as we share a critical view of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam with the relation to various Latine perspectives. We hope you enjoy this episode of Conversamos. Yeah, yo, is it that wrong? I'm making a song, I'm taking it back for the platform that I formed. Who's just helping me transform? I run the reservoir, the predator. So personally, um, let's see. Okay, aside from after, so the whole concept of me coming into contact with Islam was when I met my stepfather. And he would try as best he could to teach me, but I feel like that maybe wasn't enough. So I, t- I went out of my way and I asked him, can you take me to a mosque, which is a place of worship for Muslims? And so I started asking questions because any, like, you can't really, I feel like people, what I've learned a lot is you're not going to learn without asking. So I asked. And also, when even when I felt confused, uh, we have our friend Google. So I started, like, researching other things because then I found out, oh, there's different sects of Islam maybe am i missing something i want to get as much knowledge as i can and obviously i also started reading on my own the spanish translation of a quran so i could get even more rather than from hearsay from people's mouths i wanted to look directly at the source of islam that we were given to look at so i felt like for me to supplement my own knowledge i researched a lot i talked to different lots of people and Back when I reverted, there I didn't even know there was other Hispanic Muslims. Like, the community was very small. And then, finally, when I joined social media, I had a lot of Latino Muslims reach out to me, and I had even an even big, bigger resource to talk to them about this religion from somebody who comes from the same background, because I am Mexican. I, did, I can't really, like, relate to a lot of life matters with as i would with the arab who was born into the religion if that makes sense so yeah just research lots of research because i'm a very scientific scientific method type of person where i need logic you know to really understand something so yeah i mentioned like going to like faith formation sunday school type thing um and then like i was like a youth group kid you know so like my mom like helped out with youth group and stuff like that. And, um, but it wasn't until I went to college. So I also am a public school kid. So I feel like that's almost an anomaly when it comes to Catholic kids. Like, like a lot of times it's like Catholic school, ride or die. And that's it. Um, but I am like a product of public school, which I'm totally okay with and totally proud of. Um, so I went to Indiana university, which is a big 10 school in Indiana. Um, and, uh, there is a Catholic student center there. And, um, I, you know, just went because that's what a good Catholic does like on Sunday mass. So I was there at Sunday mass and thank goodness I had, um, a really good friend from like Northwest Indiana who I knew was super, like was raised in the Catholic church, super Catholic, like came from a super Catholic family, that kind of thing. And, um, so we were kind of like, hey, like, let's be mass buddies. Like, let's go to church together and hold each other accountable to at least going every Sunday. Um, So we would. And eventually, like, we got a hold of the whole, like, Catholic student community. Um, 
And it wasn't until like probably my sophomore year of college that I really started like asking deeper questions um, and like seeking the answers instead of just like regurgitating things that had been taught to me, if that makes sense. Like I was completely content doing that and I was completely okay with it um, until I just, you know, wasn't anymore. And I was like, I want to know more about, you know, my religion, more about my church, more about, you know, the people um, inside of it. And so, so I think uh, for me, when I was a kid, I was so inquisitive. I continued to be so inquisitive. I continued to ask a lot of questions. And I was that kid in Sunday school that would always like the teacher would say something and I would have a comeback or a question to ask. And I think really early on, my parents, my parents saw that and they, they fostered the kind of the ability for, for me to ask questions growing up from a really young age. Um, and I, I think because they gave me space to ask questions and to um, experience doubt and not making me feel like just because it seemed like I was experiencing some doubt that that meant that I didn't have faith and, and helping me to understand that the opposite of, of faith isn't doubt. And I think, I think at home, having them really help me walk through that process and having them always um, creating space for me to ask questions, I think at a kind of during my teenage years was really formative because when I did go off to college, um, I was able to own my faith for, for myself and, and be able to like have that really strong foundation. Um, and I think the other thing, just making sure that I was always connected to community and, and connected with other people that I could also have conversations with. And I, so I think Tori, you talk about like safe spaces. And so I think for me, it's always been really important to have those safe spaces either with my family, um, friends, and then also having that feeling like I have a safe space with God to express questions and to express doubt. Um, so I, I, after college, um, after I did my undergrad at the University of Central Florida, so I grew up in Florida, and then I moved to Boston um, to come to law school at Northeastern. And law school was like a, a prime place for me to continue to kind of experience doubt and wrestle with doubt. But I think one of the things about, about law school is that it really shapes your mind to be critical and to be think about how can you deconstruct arguments and then reconstruct arguments. Um, and I actually have, have been able to apply a lot of those kind of skill sets, I guess you could say, um, to the text of scripture. And so that, that has been um, just other ways that I can continue to uh, kind of discern in my own relationship with God. But it's, it always comes through a lot of questioning um, and always playing that kind of, I was a lawyer from a very young age before I was actually a lawyer. So I guess my own understanding of my own religion. Um, so I grew up, I grew up, my, like I said, my, my dad didn't become more religious until later in life. And it was like definitely at my mom's, like my mom led the way in that because she grew up in with, you know, her, her Jewish family and however small it was a Jewish community in Lima in Peru. Um, and so there was never a part of me that didn't feel like like it was important like judaism uh, wasn't important in my life um or rather there was never a part of me that didn't feel that it was important um but as i got older i did start to question more of the theological aspect um so i think it was i think the the first time i really questioned it was when i was in high school and my boyfriend asked me if i believe in god and he said that he didn't and i was like what how why um but then uh, I went to Florida State 
for a little while, Florida State University, go Knowles. Um, and that's where I took, I took a class on Judaism and like the history of it and learned a lot more about like halacha, about like Jewish law and the Talmud and um, customs that are outdated and also customs um, that have influenced or like interpretation of the Torah that has influenced the way that more observant Jews now behave. And that's when I really started questioning like, well, that's why we do this. Well, that seemed like it could have been relevant 5,000 years ago. Not so much right now. Like that doesn't feel like, like that specific um, custom or law is, is something for my life. Um, but like, you know, for my dad, it was devastating, devastating. And he was like, I put you in Hebrew school. I do this and I take you to shul. And how did this happen? And I was like, well, that's kind of how. <laughs> um, and, and Judaism does encourage you like to, to question and to think. And I think that's a really important part of it. Um, and, you know, my brother and I started getting more into like, um, science and physics and we watch a lot of like Stephen Hawking specials and and the more we learned about um the universe the more I started to think well this is uh, there's so many there's so much that we seem to know empirically and truthfully that conflicts with uh what has to do with faith and I decided to go for evidence but at the same time I think it's so important to like celebrate the Jewish holidays and acknowledge where you came from and, and, and maintain your traditions and your community because um, at the end of the day, no matter what you believe, somebody's going to look at you and tell you you're a Jew, whether it's in a good way or a bad way. Um, and I, that's why I think it's just, we've, we've gone through so much just like persecution and, and genocide because of who we inherently are. But I think it's important for us to have strength in that and community in that and, and embrace it as much as we can. Uh, for me, I think the, I never really had like a moment where I wanted to become more religious um, because my father's family um, is uh, like, um, they're secular. Jews and um, my mother, even though she's Catholic, um, she didn't, it wasn't like that neither of them were extremely, extremely religious. And on the Jewish side, especially uh, coming from, from Poland, there is a way of looking at religion because a lot of times for Jewish people, uh, when you talk about a lot of religion, it comes down to being Hasidic. And my father's family really was sort of anti-Hasidic. Um, and so I never really wanted to become more religious because even as a, a young person, as a young adult, I equated being more religious with dressing a certain way, with being outside of... of uh, what I considered to be, um, what I considered to be like uh, modern, and so what did happen for me was that uh, I worked at a Catholic school, um, and even though I grew up with my mother being Catholic, it kind of made me realize that I did believe in my heart uh, Jewish things and Jewish concepts of like how the world uh, worked. Um, and 
it kind of gave me a respect for the fact that that other religions had similar beliefs but conceptualized them in a different way um and so i became more interested in reading um about how the religions were more similar um and how they had the same tenets you know, a lot of the times but had different ways of conceptualizing them and i think if i hadn't gone to work at a at a catholic school i wouldn't have realized that this is really what fundamentally what i believe and it wouldn't have made me look at a lot of different religions and see what the commonalities are and i really appreciate that part of uh, uh, of my teaching experience and what it brought and how it enriched my my Judaism. And part of my, especially my encounter with Catholicism, growing up with it, was actually looking at it, at it through a Jewish lens for quite a bit of time, actually. And that eventually led me to go to the seminary. Uh, I went to a Catholic seminary. And part of going to the Catholic seminary to, was to uh, work out whatever it was that I was searching for and trying to get a deeper understanding of faith. And I went there and uh, I went there with that background and also with a very twisted understanding of the world. Uh, I had this belief that the world was about to come to an end and so on and so forth. So going to the seminary was helpful psychologically and it was also a time when, you know, I began to feel that it was safe to really study other religions outside of uh, the, you know, the Christianity and Judaism and so on and so forth. And so I started to look at other religious traditions like Buddhism and so on and so forth. Uh, I'm also of a Puerto Rican background. So from a young age, we were aware that we have indigenous roots. So I used to study, you know, some of the uh, Taino religion, when I was young, and that was always in the back of my mind, the Native American tradition, and so on and so forth. So there was this kind of openness there, but there was always, also always like this question of, you know, well, how do you work out this fact that religious religious people dominate each other and so on and so forth? That's not too religious. So that took me to like the social justice side of things for a while, and and uh, and I had to reconcile that with what that means with religiosity, and eventually. I stopped uh, my studies at the uh, at the seminary, and I ended up leaving for a while. Uh, I went to the. I, I was living at the seminary. I ended up moving to my university dorm, and I was in this crisis period for a bit. And then I eventually started to explore Islam, which I had been exposed to uh, in Philadelphia because I grew up in the Philadelphia area. And then um, after some time, I ended up going to Egypt to study. Uh, to try to get a better understanding of Islam because a lot of what I was exposed to was very shallow. And so I stayed in Egypt for like five years to study um, Islam. And then now actually I'm a director of a religious uh, program in the Chicagoland area. And so, you know, my, my uh, experience has been that it's necessary to just explore, have an academic side, theoretical side. And then at the end of the day, we have to figure out how we're going to live with each other. That's been my nice. Point. Thank you. And uh, a commonality I see with everyone is you mentioned your own like ethnicity, nationality. So to really expand on, on that type of conversation, how have you balanced your religion with your Latinidad 
or how has your relationship been between your religion and your race or ethnicity or again Latinidad? Right. But I think that that's a, that question really has a lot to do with you on a personal level. And it has a lot to do with you um, understanding your own history and understanding your own people and then understanding that religious orientation that you're coming from. Right. And to see where, where there's an overlap and where there's boundaries. Because sometimes we study religion, whatever religion it may be. And sometimes really part of what we're studying in the religion is culture and it's not the principles or the values of the religion. And we mix those things up, right? So some of us that go outside of, for instance, being, you know, the, the Latino, so to speak, or Latinx or however you want to, uh, you know, say it, sometimes we, we don't work that out with ourselves, you know, and we, we, have to, we have to struggle that out because there's a lot to that. There's a food issue. You know, there's a food issue. Your food begins to change. Like, you know, for me, the, you know, the pork thing goes out the door and, you know, there, there's adjustments that you make and there's a, there's customs like, okay, for instance, is our, is our culture, like in Puerto Rican culture, is our culture just party? You know, is it just drinking or is there something more? So you have to kind of figure out what's going on in your own culture and, and, and seeing where you stand on certain things. Then you start to begin to, to see overlaps and then you kind of feel comfortable once again. It's like, I, you know, I think probably the best metaphor has come from another religion is that, you know, at the beginning of my journey, mountains were not mountains. And then at the end of the journey, you know, mountains are mountains. And that I think that at the beginning of the journey, you're uncomfortable with yourself. And then towards the end of your journey, when you start maturing, you kind of learn how to be comfortable with yourself and your community. Thank you. Azul? Yeah, I'm going to want to bounce off of uh, Yusuf's uh, concept of mountains not being mountains till later because when I, when I reverted, I was very young. I was 11 years old and things were simpler back then because it w didn't seem hard because I already had such a religious background and the community around me was so religious. But then as I grew up, I moved out of the place I was. I came into contact with more of my Latino family and they introduced me to bailes, to parties, quinceañeras and drinking and stuff. And I'm, I, I've never drank, but um, there's been a lot of opportunity. So then I started realizing, wow, I'm becoming more confused with my identity than I was before. Before I thought, oh, I'm just a little, I'm just a Christian girl. But now I have rules to follow. I have put more depth into how I carry myself now with identifying as a Muslim. So there's obviously I can't drink, I can't eat pork. And then it would come into conflict with my life of how I wanted to live of Oh, it would go from, before it would be just, oh, I'm just going to a quinceanera with my family. But now it's even more than that. Am I going to go dance? Have people trying to ask me to dance with them or, well, take a sip of this. And it goes a lot more into that. And then once I explain to them, they, they're confused. They're like, why? And so I have to explain to them I'm this way. So after having to explain myself so many times, I feel like myself because people would then start telling me things like, oh, you're not Mexican. You might as well be Arab or something like that. So then I started com being confused because I'm now growing up in a house split between Arabs and Mexicans because now I'm growing up culturally as an Arab, but I still don't want to lose myself as a Mexican. So 
I am also Mexican, um, and I feel like that's a very common thing to be Mexican and be Catholic. Like, I, I feel like those things are extremely common. Um, I actually grew up in a prim- primarily Caucasian town. Um, I was one of, like, the very few um, people of color in, like, any grade that I was in. Um, and same thing when I went to college, um, you know, I chose, I think it's like less than 15% are Hispanic at Indiana University. So it was very, I was very much still like in my comfort zone though, because that's how I grew up. Like I sometimes would forget like, oh yeah, I am a little bit darker than anybody else in this room. Um, but I didn't start tapping into it. Like my parents still made sure like I still I'm connected to my roots in the sense that, like, I danced well at Focorico growing up, like, even though we had to drive 40, 45 minutes to the nearest dance group, um, that kind of thing. And so um, once I went to college, though, and, like, I wanted to get more in touch with my roots, I guess, like, just having more Latino friends and, like, you know, feeling more comfortable, like, truly being, like, my true self and not having to feel like, I need to, you know, talk in a specific way or like certain things or whatever. Um, And that's kind of actually like the phase that I'm in right now. Like I'm searching for more of my community. And I feel like that has to do with the fact that I actually work for the Catholic Church. So I am a director for youth and young adult ministry um, here in Northwest Indiana. So at a cluster of three churches, um, one of which has a very, very large Hispanic population. And um, like being able to witness like Las Posadas and like Novenas and like, you know, doing different things like Dia de los Muertos and stuff like that in church is just so incredibly beautiful. And so I am like able to kind of connect, you know, like my, like not just be culturally Catholic in also like a Mexican sense, but also like be Catholic in a Latino sense because there are like some differences. Um, but like celebrating mass in Spanish is beautiful. And I hadn't really been able to like do that on such a regular basis growing up. Um, So I, maybe similarly, I think to Tori, I grew up in a really suburban area of Florida where there were mostly white kids. Um, And I think because I present as light-skinned, my last name is French, even though I'm Puerto Rican, but there's an island off the coast of Puerto Rico that was colonized by French people. So, um, you know, Yusuf, you talk about the importance of knowing your history. um, And like, I knew that. But always having to defend that or communicate that to other people, I think growing up was um, a a challenge, except for when I was in church. So I I, I think part of being in um, going to church in a predominantly Latino church and a Latino church that had people from all over the place. So it wasn't just predominantly Puerto Rican. So I grew up with um, Colombians and Salvadorans and Dominicans and just a whole, just the richness, I think, of our diversity, um, which was was beautiful um, to grow up in a space where you, you could see just like the multicoloredness of our Latinidad. Um, and I think for me growing up, that was such a reflection of 
um, what what Christ came to offer us, right? There's this um, idea in the New Testament about reconciliation between between all ethnicities and all generations, um, and I think being able to live that out, um, particularly like in the context of our church family and our church community. Um, and now, so when I moved to Boston, um, I was going to, uh, also a church that, that was very mixed in terms of, um, just people from a lot of different countries, um, which was great. And I think, you know, like I go home now and people ask me the question, like you, your Spanish sounds more like Salvador and Colombian Spanish, because that's the people that I'm around more predominantly now. Um, and I, so I, I, was youth pastor at, at that church, but then I transitioned, um, and I'm a lead pastor at a, at a small church now, and it's in a community that's predominantly Salvadoran. So, you know, eating pupusas on a regular basis and, and experiencing just the beauty of our Latinidad, right? Um, which I think, for me, has been such a, a grounding piece in my faith. And, and I think, this like... This has always been uh, really difficult, and it's always been a little difficult to reconcile all of my identities um i want this is gonna sound irrelevant but it's not so this isn't my natural hair color um which because people see me they're like oh are you irish scottish like not even a little bit not not even the slightest amount um my i'm naturally blonde uh and so my hair is actually really dirty blonde but when i was little it was like white blonde um and I was the only blonde in my family. So I'm, I'm obviously like extremely fair, like green eyes, but I was like the rest of my family are like, they're not like dark skin, but they definitely have like darker features, like heavier features. Um, so like my brother is like dark hair, like heavy, heavy, like Eastern European brow and like beard. So nobody gets surprised when he speaks Spanish because he looks like he could be like from Spain or something. But then I start speaking Spanish and people are like, how um but that wasn't really a problem until i moved to new york population um and so i wasn't completely alone but i was definitely in the minority and then when i went off to public school it's kind of the opposite of some of y'all because in miami it's something like a 70 percent latin population um with a huge amount of that being cubans but then there's also a ton of like nicaraguans venezuelans colombians peruvians Puerto Ricans, like it's just flat, like it's it's a little microcosm of Latin America, um, and so I never felt othered in that sense because every once in a while I would go like, oh my god, you speak Spanish? I mean, like, yeah, oh, he's in Miami. What do you think? Um, but for the most part, everybody assumes that you speak Spanish because it's Miami, and if you don't speak Spanish, you're either like in the minority or you're up here speaking Haitian Creole. Um, everybody has a language. And so, and so it's always been rough, especially like, uh, like when I moved up here, it felt weird because in Miami, I was part of this Latin community by default, by being from Miami, the whole city, like, it's just, that's just what it is. And then I moved up here and I think because it's primarily like obviously everybody from Miami is an immigrant, but that's, you know, I feel like a lot of the times here, they're not used to somebody who looks like me and speaks Spanish like me. Um, and so it felt like I didn't 
belong with mi gente anymore because I didn't look like them and I didn't grow up with them. Um, and so um, it's, it's hard having to somehow find a way to justify my ethnicity and my race and my religion, which is an ethno religion to people who aren't familiar with it. And, and somehow show people that you, <laughs> you can, you can be more than one thing at the same time. And it feels great when I go home to Peru because like now it's become this, like it's sort of dissociated for me being here and I go home to Peru and I have my little baby Sorinitas who are like, Queremos hacer Shabbat con la tía Bella. and I'm just like, Oh, doing Shabbat in Spanish. Thank you so much. And like, you know, Shabbat dinner that my, my tía abuela cooks with like, uh, you know, we have challah and then we have like seco de pollo. And I'm just like, this is the best. This is the best thing ever. <laughs> Sorry, that was so long. I just have a lot of feelings. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Jordan, yes. Um, so I grew up um, in rural Ohio. Um, both of my parents were raised in New York. Um, and it was really kind of an odd thing for me to grow up uh, in this space because it caused a lot of problems with me balancing being Latino and being Jewish um, and also understanding that I was more than one thing and that was okay um, because for a long time growing up uh, or people saw me as being the other and they used to come up to me and they'd be like, oh, uh, where are you from? You look ethnic. And I was like, I don't know really what ethnic means, but it meant not from, you know, the Midwest. And so I had a lot of like weird things happen as a result of being, um, being ethnic, quote unquote, and nobody knowing. I had people, I've had people come up to me um, it, when I used to work uh, at Cedar Point, for those of you who are familiar with theme parks, I had a woman from, uh, I think she was Saudi. She came up to me and insisted that I speak Arabic to her and told me, because she saw my name tag, and my name, my name is Jordan, so she thought El Ordon, like, uh, but it comes actually from the Hebrew. So she insisted that I speak to her in Arabic. And when I told her that I didn't speak Arabic, she told me, well, that's sad because you are not paying attention to your, uh, to your heritage. And I said, well, I can speak Spanish to you, or I can speak, uh, I can speak mostly Spanish to you. I can speak maybe Hebrew if I try really hard and you go slow. Um, and then she got upset, you know, um, Jewish people are a culture and a religion, an ethno culture and Puerto Rican people are a culture. And so you are, you are both and you shouldn't deny, you know, that you speak Spanish. You shouldn't deny that you're Latino and nor should you deny that you're, um, that you're Jewish. And so it took a long time um, for me to balance those and to me, for me to feel okay with the fact that no matter where I go, if I'm here at home in the Midwest, then I am this sort of ambiguous other. If I go, uh, you know, to New York, then I am, you know, white, which is really strange uh, to be a Spanish teacher and to be white 
you know, and to tell the kids, listen, I eat the same food as you. I do all of the same things that you do. I grew up in a Spanish speaking home. And they're like, but mister, you're white. And then it's weird to get in a cab and have somebody speak, you know, Moroccan Arabic to you because all of a sudden they feel comfortable, you know. Um, and I think that that's, that that's shaped me because I began to look into a lot of the history, especially as a Spanish teacher and as a teacher in general, I began to look into the history of uh, Latin American countries, uh, Puerto Rico especially, because that's where my mother's family comes from. And I found there were Jews there. And then, that you know, I found it, the older that you get, I think you become more comfortable with who you are, and sometimes you become more comfortable with standing in the middle. So thank you. What I really like had a burning like sensation to like say this. I'm so happy. Like it's so refreshing to come into contact with other Latinos because that have the same problem as me because we forget that physical appearance like undoubtedly comes into play with your identity, which I wish it wasn't that way, but I guess as being a Mexican I got that a lot and ever since I was born because I was because I grew up in a predominantly like Mexican community everybody was looked a certain way and then here comes this little Juarita girl with colored eyes and even when I was born everybody would be like are you sure that's your daughter she looks kind of whitish and she has colored eyes and it's I love it I love it so much I'm happy to like meet you all with similar problems to me because I thought I was the only one everybody would be like um expect me to look a certain way just because i said i was mexican they're like oh you don't look mexican and i'm like what's that supposed to mean <laughs> um <laughs> because it, it is i'm like the whitest of my family and um my little sisters my mom everybody is around so i really would like be interested into finding out as to what is in our history that would cause me to be this way because the closest thing for my answer is my grandfather, my mother's father. He, he actually has colored eyes and he's light skinned like me. So that gives me a little bit of comfort, but yeah, it's, it's amazing as to what you come into contact with people. Assuming you're a certain way. I've had people say I'm Arab. I've had people in school think I'm Indian because they thought my hijab was a shawl and it's really funny it, it doesn't have to be negative all the time you can like take kind of a positive aspect from it and i like being unique and different and looking a certain way but it that's the biggest um that's the funniest thing to me that you people expect you to look a certain way because you are a certain race but yeah that was i really like that hearing from all of you your experiences with that I think my biggest like takeaway would probably just being would be being just very grateful um, of just like being able to kind of talk about something that can be like a very touchy subject with a lot of people um, and having like a fruitful conversation um, with so many different like backgrounds and different people. So I just think that's really, really cool. Obviously, like I have a very skewed um, vision of you know, because of like where I work and like my upbringing. So I mean, like I'm, you know, 24 seven surrounded by Catholicism. Um, so this has been really great <laughs> just to kind of like break out of that and be like, Hey, there are other people. And like, it's really cool to just like learn and just talk about, you know, different religions and 
even though we all kind of come from something similar. One of the things that I heard in all of our stories is like, you can be more than one thing. Like it doesn't have to look like one thing. Right. And um, the other piece of just like reconciling that, that journey um, in ourselves. And I think that empowers us to be able to reconcile it with one another as well and see the beauty of it um, both in ourselves and within one another. And I think like that, the, the, the common thing that brings us to the table today is our Latinidad and the beautiful like mestizaje of that. And like, we are a mixed people and that's such a beautiful thing. And if I I think like so often I would wonder what it would look like for us to really capture the beauty of that and how um, we don't all have to be the same thing. In fact, it's, it's more beautiful and it's more rich and it's more comprehensive um, to see just the beauty, beautiful diversity um, in this little microcosm of the six and seven people on this call. So um, yeah, I just, I love that. Like we don't have to be one thing. Yeah, I, I just super agree with all of that. And I think especially like, like Spanish was my first language. Like my, my parents only spoke, like my dad only spoke to me in Romanian. My mom only spoke to me in Spanish. Um, and then I learned English in preschool, which wasn't hard because Miami, so everybody already spoke Spanish. Um, but it's, it's rough sometimes because people will say to me, oh my gosh, you don't look like you speak Spanish. And then I say, that's so interesting. Uh, what does a Spanish speaker look like? And it forces them to reevaluate their own preconceptions or, of, or preconceived ideas of what Latinos are. Because then they realize like, oh, I was like, oh yeah, you, you wanted to say brown, right? Is that what you, you, were, you were thinking brown? Um, and then they look like the racist fool because like obviously there's indigenous communities in um, Latin America and obviously there's a lot of colonization and there was a slave trade. And then in my case, it was just, we needed somewhere to go a hundred years ago and that's where we ended up. Um, but, but it's just, it's so beautiful to know that because I, I definitely, I mean, like there's very small Jewish communities in Latin America. I'm sure that the Muslim communities are, are super tiny as well. Um, but it, it's, it's just nice. It feels good to know that like we have this beautiful rainbow of, of individuals and like, there's no, no two Latinos are the same. No two Latin countries are the same. Like we, but we, we all have something in common. Um, and I think that's really great. That no matter how different we are, how different we look, we, we have that in common while we're here in the United States, especially. With all that said, that is all the time that we have. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you like the video, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on all our social media outlets and podcast platforms at Latin underscore entertainment, as well as our website at www.latinentertainment.org. We hope you enjoyed this season of Conversamos and stay tuned as we have more content to send to the Latin American diaspora on Abiyala, all here at Latin Entertainment. Yeah, yo, is it that wrong? I'm making a song, I'm taking it back for the platform that I formed. Music's helping me transform. I run the reservoir, the predator.